And if you cannot understand your baseline business, then it's very difficult for you to grasp how it will change. What is realistic to be achieved while we are in these phases? Welcome to the White and Speak podcast. I'm your host, Rikweer White. This episode looks at how you can assess the coronavirus's impact on your business model. I'm joined by Carsten Lynn Peterson and Thomas Ritter. Carsten Lynn Peterson is Assistant Professor at the Department of Marketing at the Copenhagen Business School. Being an expert in autonomy, business development and strategy, his research interests cover data-enabled business development, frontline employees' behavior and the role of projects in strategies. His work is widely published, including Harvard Business Review, MIT Sloan Management Review, Strategic Management Review, Industrial Marketing Management, amongst other outlets. He is a highly appreciated executive educator and involved in several applied research projects. Thomas Ritter is Professor of Market Strategy and Business Development at the Department of Strategy and Innovation at the Copenhagen Business School. He works with customer insight, value creation, market-driven strategies, data-enabled business models, and business development through strategic projects. Current research projects focus on product, service, and data integration, and business model analysis. His work is widely published, including Harvard Business Review, Journal of Product, Innovation Management, Strategic Management Review, Industrial Marketing Management, amongst other outlets. He is a frequent speaker at industry events and a highly appreciated executive educator. Without further ado, here's the interview. Thomas and Carsten, welcome on the Wait and Speak podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for inviting and we are. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be on the show. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. So just as an, as an introduction um, on our discussion around business models, um, business models can help describe how your business creates, delivers, and captures value. Um, and whether you're a startup or an incumbent, your business model needs to be fluid. Your strategy needs to consider how your business model might look over multiple time horizons and how it will adapt to external shocks. And I think spe- specifically in the current context of COVID-19, it's even more crucial to assess on a continuous basis, your, your business model um, for the immediate and longer term. Um, so, so Thomas and Carson, you've developed a framework um, from over a decade of teaching um, to help executives exactly with this problem in terms of identifying what are the business model risks and opportunities that the crisis presents. Could, could you give us a bit more of an overview of, how, how the, of this framework? Yeah, sure. I, I love to do that. Um... You know, the, the notion of business models is not new. Uh, it, it has been around for, for a long time and it has been largely made public and, and, and of popular interest uh, when we had the uh, IT bubble and the year 2000 uh, problems and, and, and so forth. So so on, on that account, it's not new. And we have worked with with our version of a business model for, for years. But we also realized recently that it is a very nice framework uh, to to actually analyze the impact the coronavirus crisis has on on a business model so so here's a, a short overview of of that framework which we which we use um we at, at the center of of our uh, uh, model is is what what kind of result does our running business produce so what kind of financial results uh, how good are we doing it can also be societal uh, results so how do we support societal issues before the coronavirus crisis a lot of attention was given to the climate change uh, challenges and, and so forth. So what is it? And looking forward, uh, what kind of objectives do we have? Is it pure survival? Is it earning money? Is it uh, rescuing the organization in the long term? These kind of, of results uh, we need to discuss as part of the analysis. Once we have that in place at the center of our uh, model, 
then we can look at the, uh, an important dimension, which is customers. So, so what kind of customers do we actually serve with that business model? What kind of segments are there? Be that different customer groups, be that different customer types, be that the differences in our customer base. It is very, very important to realize who is actually a customer in that business. And then, of course, related to the crisis, who, what are possible changes on, um, in, in terms of, of, of that dimension? Another uh, issue is uh, what kind of value proposition do we bring to the market? So, so what is it we would like to offer our customers? Now, customer needs is different from what we offer. We used to say that uh, the airlines are well aware of that their customers don't live at the airport and don't want to go to the other airport, that their travel demands are much higher, but the airlines usually uh, fly passengers from airport to, to airport. So that is their value proposition. So that's another uh, important dimension. And um, over the years, there, there's lots of discussion about uh, product companies going service, service companies going product. Uh, should the value proposition be uh, a platform offering like uh, Uber and Airbnb? These kind of questions belong to that dimension in, in our business model. The next dimension is, is value demonstration. So what is it we do in order to convince customers to buy our value proposition? That is a dimension often forgotten in, in other business models because customers are not coming on their own. So we need what is called sales and marketing for, for that. And the final element is capabilities. So what do we need to be good at in running our business? So uh, there, there are many dimensions. Uh, we cooked it down to, to these uh, four dimensions we work with in order to explain the results and objectives of an organization. And for us, uh, it is very important that the alignment between these uh, dimensions is checked. So which customers buy what kind of value propositions, which bundles, uh, which customers come in different communication channels, omni-channel discussion and so forth. So, so that is how we, how we look at it. And it, it might sound a little bit complex, but it's a, an easy framework to work with. Mm -hmm. and, and I assume data and relevant data is quite important. So I think some of the information you can think through logically, but I think as customer um, kind of preferences change. That's also something to, to keep in mind and getting access to, to big data, perhaps, on, on customer trends. Yeah, of course, we have uh, had uh, and we still have a, a, a large project on data-driven growth, uh, which Karsten and I uh, participate in. And, uh, and there we look at how does data change a business model. And it's exactly like you say, uh, the whole IT capabilities is a capability question which leads to value propositions, data-based offerings to the market, which relates to customers wanting uh, data, have a need for, for data in, uh, in these days, and how do we use data in, uh, in a value demonstration situation. So, so you rightly so that all of that uh, looks at exactly these dimensions and discusses that. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for that, that overview. Could you uh, tell us a bit more, how would you go about applying um, the framework to diagnose uh, your business model, keeping in mind the different phases that we're facing at the moment with during the crisis, um, after the crisis, and then eventually the new type of normal that we will see. Yes, so uh, it's definitely very, <clears throat> sorry, it's definitely very important that you initially try to analyze 
what your business model, uh, i.e. the elements in the alignment, look like prior to the crisis. And the reason why this is important is that it uh, provides baseline understanding of what your business works like and what it looks like. And if you cannot understand your baseline business, then it's very difficult for you to grasp how it will change. So that's the obvious first choice. And the way to go about that is obviously, as uh, Thomas just noted, to uh, look at the various elements. Are there any changes going on in the, in the elements of uh, customers? Do we have new customers? Will there be any new value propositions? Do we demonstrate our value in new channels? And do we need entirely new capabilities? And also, do we need to change our objectives? Moreover, uh, it's also important to understand if there will uh, uh, what 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 the the differences will be in the in the alignment between the various uh, elements. So, for instance, you might have a new customer group that might be interested in a different kind of uh, value proposition. And moreover, it's important to, uh, to grasp and analyze these developments through three phases. So one thing is to, that you have an understanding of what your business model looked like prior to the crisis, but it's also important to note which changes will happen during the crisis. That's phase number one. What will happen immediately after the crisis? That's phase number two. And what will happen in the new normal? That's, that's phase number three. And we don't believe that uh, we will ever revert to the old normal. We will obviously reach a state of uh, normalcy but uh, or normality, but it will be a different form of normal than what we were used to prior to the crisis. So just to provide a, a very brief example from our own industry, that of, uh, of uh, higher education, we obviously have a business model where we teach students uh, and uh, educate students. Uh, now, during the crisis, we have to stop uh, doing certain things, or at least we have to postpone doing certain things, such as face-to-face -face teaching. We can't do that anymore. So during the crisis, we have to stop or postpone doing that, and we need to start uh, moving over to an online medium. And that's something that Thomas and I have been doing uh, for the last couple of weeks. We've tried to transition our teaching resources uh, to the online media. Immediately after the crisis, that is when this uh, pandemic is uh, over with, but we've uh, not yet reached a state of uh, normality, we need to pick up on some of the, the, um, the tasks that we've postponed during uh, the, the time of crisis. And that would mean for us at least face-to-face -face teaching. We probably have a bulk of teaching assignments uh, that we need to carry, uh, pick up and uh, carry on with after the crisis. And in the new normal, we will probably have a business model that looks uh, quite similar to the one that we had prior to the crisis. However, we will probably have uh, a lot more online teaching uh, in our uh, educational portfolio. So using the framework uh, with the elements, their alignments, and the three different phases of, uh, of time horizons uh, during the crisis, immediately after the crisis, and the new normal, we can actually uh, obtain a pretty comprehensive understanding of what tomorrow will look like, what yesterday looked like, and what we need to do today in order to prepare for the new normal. Interesting. And in terms of, of the example you used around um, teaching, um, are you also moving on to a 
type of electronic exam format? What is your arrangement around student exams at this stage? Yeah, so student exams is, uh, and, and this is actually quite uh, relevant for businesses also. So obviously we have a variety of technological tools that we can uh, utilize, such as Zoom or, uh, or uh, Meet or a variety of different technological tools. But we also operate within a certain regulatory framework where we need to um, have predefined the uh, uh, formats for how the, uh, the exams are, are going to be. But we definitely were moving uh, the exams to an online format uh, within the certain uh, regulatory frameworks that we ha have here in Denmark. And uh, that's also very much um, similar to how organizations need to operate. They need to try to adapt to this situation and do the very best in order to have alignment in their business model and be responsive to the changes that's happening during and after the crisis. But they also need to um, be in alignment with the regulatory frameworks that are present in the, in the context in which they, uh, they operate. Thomas, do you have any uh, additional comments to that? Yeah, we, we, we see that a lot uh, with, with companies, as you already alluded to, um, that, that everybody can see that changes are needed and, and these are not changes to, to something which is bad. These are changes which are necessary and sometimes even to, to the better, but that the regulatory framework uh, also needs to change and that governments need to allow certain things uh, in terms of production, in terms of security, in terms of how things are, are handled. And, and there's a, a huge effort to be done uh, and, and currently ongoing in, in, in public administration to, uh, to, to provide these frameworks that, that businesses, and in that respect also a business school, uh, can continue operating and using the technology available to overcome the limitations which the current uh, outbreak gives us all. Yeah, thanks. Those are some very good points. I think the broader new normal is definitely um, going to take shape in the in the new regulatory environment or the adaptions that need to take place. Um, and, and just touching back, um, it's a bit of a own interest now that I'm sticking on the, the exam part. Um, I've seen on the program I'm currently doing is uh, we have an online system where you write online, but the webcam monitors your activity. So and then that whole session is recorded and it scans the room. So it's quite interesting um, the different approaches to for example, online exams, but still um, there needs to be that quality assurance, as you mentioned, in terms of regulations as well. Um, if someone writes an exam and gets a degree, um, it still needs to have that um, credential backed by, you know, sound quality. Um, so, so quite interesting. It, um, it is. It. And, and, uh, and, and I think uh, uh, we, we are blessed in our times that, that this crisis hits us when we actually have all of these technologies available. I mean, I, I cannot imagine how, how it would be to have such a pandemic uh, without the internet and, and all the things. Now, there's lots of ethical uh, things, you know, in terms of monitoring, uh, in terms of uh, technology breakdowns, in terms of personality rights, so, so, so lots of issues, but we can solve them because the basic technology is available. So I think there's huge opportunity to, 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 to learn and to develop things and uh, to, to come to a, a new normal, which will be technologically a lot better, which will have discussed and solved some of the ethical problems we have in terms of data, data security, and surveillance. 
Yeah, definitely. I think for all the problems you can can have with technology, um, it's making our lives a lot easier in the current context, and and we're lucky to to have these um, solutions available. Um, then I think we've we've touched on some of the points, but could you perhaps um, give a bit more um, example or, or discuss around? How do you define realistic objectives for your organization once you've now gone through this process? Um, and I guess, obviously, it depends on your analysis and in what industry you are, um, how you define what, what do you want to achieve going forward? I think uh, we, we discussed that with, with, with a lot of firms, and, and this is also the, the background why we uh, like to work with the three phases uh, during crisis, right after crisis, and, uh, and, and new normal. Because... Uh, what, what we argue for is that we need an, an open discussion in organizations towards understanding what is realistic to be achieved while we are in these phases. So, so for some companies, uh, achieving 50% of their budget will be an outragingly positive uh, result, while for others, uh, keeping 100% is not even ambitious because they are in an industry uh, where, where there's a growth uh, potential. Think of uh, online delivery think of medical equipment masks personal protection items and so forth so 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 how do you get there well well discussions and we don't know the answer for the organizations we think it is important to have that discussion and this is why this is an important part uh, in 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 our model that we discussed it and and then for the um, for the different phases uh, some of the companies and Carsten alluded to that also for our own business school there, there, there will be huge demands as soon as the uh, restrictions are taken off. So, so we will move from one phase to another and we need to know what will be important, what, which capabilities do we need and how do we work with, with that. Yeah, and I, th I think as you mentioned, it, uh, we can expect some type of a upswing now after, after everything that's going on and then we'll see some type of a new pattern uh, emerging perhaps. Um, then um, could you give us a few examples talking about, you know, monitoring your business uh, model where companies have failed and succeeded in man managing uh, the risks and opportunities? And, and what are some of the common pitfalls that uh, businesses uh, should try to avoid? Yeah. So currently what we're observing is a lot of interesting behavior during uh, the lockdown in the different countries. So here in Denmark, uh, one particularly uh, relevant uh, industry to look at is the restaurant industry because they're, uh, they're mandated not to uh, allow uh, in-service uh, in dining for obvious reasons because uh, people need to stay at home in order to uh, make sure that people do not get infected. Now, how do restaurants grapple with this issue? Some restaurants have actually seen this as an opportunity to uh, move and transition from a business model on dine-in to a business model uh, centered around takeout. And this is actually quite interesting because several restaurants, at least here in Denmark, are experiencing growth rates due to a changed business model where they uh, focus on a new value proposition, that of takeout, instead of uh, having to visit the restaurant. That obviously uh, necessitates to, yeah, that you have some capabilities that uh, can fulfill this value proposition, but it also necessitates that you have an alignment in the various elements of your business model. If we look at the same industry of restaurants, 
We also see that several, uh, let's call them fine dining or Michelin type restaurants haven't followed suit. And that's probably because they have a very strong logic of what their business is. They cannot go from fine dining Michelin type restaurant to uh, providing takeout. That is similar, uh, simply a too far a stretch for these organizations. And therein lies probably a, a, a symptom of uh, one common pitfall. And that common pitfall can be that sometimes you develop a logic of what your business model is based on previous successes. And that actually locks you in and makes you a very conservative organization, unable to adapt when times of change required. And that's paradoxical because it actually means that your past success may actually result in your own demise as a business model. And that's uh, very dangerous. So you can, uh, you, can, um, you can relate it to a horse with blinders on. And uh, here uh, the blinders uh, may make you focus on a, on a simple goal and it may uh, make you follow a certain path. But it also makes the horse unable to watch and uh, prepare for the surprises that might come from behind the horse or from the sides. And that's how a dominant logic in a business model may actually lock in some organizations. We also see a very interesting uh, tendency where um, organizations change the main objectives in their business model. So where they pre-crisis would think of themselves as predominantly in the business of making money, they now think of themselves as being good corporate citizens in the society because they realize that they need societal well-being in order to make uh, profits. And uh, this results in a variety of interesting uh, cases uh, currently. For instance, we have uh, the Danish uh, brewery Carlsberg who makes beer, who now uh, produces uh, sanitizers because society needs it. We also see the Scandinavian airlines who retrains their stewardesses uh, so they can actually help out in hospitals if they need to do so. So we see a lot of organizations who uh, try to enhance their, uh, their uh, corporate objectives and their corporate purpose and therefore also their business models to think of themselves as great corporate citizens and not only as uh, commercial actors in uh, a certain environment. Do you have anything to add, Thomas? I think uh, what, what, what Karsten and I, as, as, uh, with our interest in, in business development and strategizing, uh, enjoy seeing is that, that companies are facing uh, the challenges with the flexibility, with an opportunity-seeking attitude and, and try to want to get through the crisis in, in a positive mode instead of uh, closing down and, and complaining how, how difficult the world uh, is. And, and that is interesting uh, to, to see. And, and it's, a, it's a pleasure to see that new uh, innovativeness, that flexibility, resourcefulness uh, in, in organizations, also in organizations where we typically would have defined them as very conservative and, and, and stuck within their, in their business model. So that's positive. But um, you, you, you also uh, ask about uh, uh, failing um, um, issues and, 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 and companies. And I, and I think one, one, one 
item on that failing list is is very very uh, predominant, and that is the lack of preparedness. Uh, it, it's it's not many companies uh, which have been prepared for for such a crisis. Interestingly, uh, many companies mentioned that they had crisis before. I mean, there have been uh, outbreaks uh, before, more localized than than the global uh, pandemic currently. Um, and and they so so they know a little bit about how to deal with these um, uh, challenges, but but that is uh, uh, of course a, a big thing which we believe will fill a lot of the uh, discussions when we get out of the crisis. How can businesses and business models be prepared for these kind of disturbances? And of course, everybody hopes that this is a one of a kind uh, crisis, but. Uh, we have to be prepared for, for such a thing may happen again or some different uh, challenge uh, hitting hitting us. Um, so, so, so that is, and, and we also meet companies who, who wait for the old normal to arrive again. And I think that is also a, a failure because there will be changes which are longer than the crisis. Yeah, and, and just to add, I mean, we, we also have a common pitfall of uh, how much analysis should organizations actually do during a crisis? So we have at the one extreme organizations that do pretty much no analysis before they make their ad hoc spontaneous decisions. Then we at the other extreme have organizations who do a lot of analysis, but don't really do any, uh, any action because they're uh, impacted by so-called analysis paralysis. I mean, they, they, they are waiting for data to tell them what to actually do. And that's not very helpful in a crisis situation either. So what we're trying to argue for with this, um, this model is that we have certain predefined steps that uh, executives and practitioners should uh, try to think through. And hopefully that will be the adequate level of analysis where you, at the one hand, you, uh, you can uh, provide some initial thoughts on uh, what might happen and try to prepare for it. But at the, at the other hand, you also try to make actions and uh, act iteratively because that will also help to give you some feedback on what will actually um, work in this new context. So it's uh, really like walking on two feet, the one foot being actions and the other foot being analysis where you need both and they need to walk at the, uh, the proper cadence in order to move the organization forward. I mean, we like, uh, we like to make uh, uh, simple models and, uh, and, and straightforward categories. So, so one of the things we also suggest is a very simple tool to say, okay, there are activities you should start doing. Then there are activities you you make you hold a pause in uh, you, you cannot do it right now so that will be later and then there are other things you will stop and the fourth category is uh, there are items we can't uh, decide on on yet and if companies cannot give us an example of something they started doing because of the crisis of something they set on hold because of the crisis of something they have stopped doing because of the crisis and something which they had to postpone deciding because they lack information or something needs to be challenged then we have this uh, in uh, this pass, uh, passive approach or or inactivity or whatever you would like to call it where we lack strategic action and decision making Wow, those are really some excellent examples you gave. Um, and I think some just to sum up what, what I picked up is 
you know, companies like the the gourmet restaurants that kind of have a bit of a, as an example, not all of them have a bit of a fixed mindset. And I think that also happens in, in project ma- management sometimes when you're managing a project um, and it, the, you should clearly pull the plug, uh, but you keep on going as opposed to uh, adapting. Um, and then the flexibility, you mentioned the examples and, and this focus on corporate citizenship or citizenry. Um, and I think that that is something I hope to see in the new normal that um, there's a, a bigger focus on that type of thing and obviously also on, on, the, on the environment. And then um, Carsten, the example of, of walking on two feet and getting the cadence right, that was an excellent example um, of balancing um, analysis and no analysis. But then also, um, Thomas, you gave the example around splitting your, your action or your activities in terms of what can you do immediately, what actions should you postpone until you have more information. So really, that was a brilliant um, overview that you gave on that. Um, then. Just lastly, um, linking onto all of these topics, are there any further reading books or resources that you could recommend on business models um, and strategic thinking that that uh, our listeners can use in terms of evaluating their business model on a more regular basis, and then um, also accounting for different time horizons and possible scenarios in the future? Um, of course, we we are great fans of uh, of, of our model and. Uh... Um, you can you can read about our thinking in in two HBR articles which are recently published uh, under the Corona uh, virus uh, crisis theme uh, on on HBR.org, and uh, we also have a, a workbook uh, for free uh, download from the CVS website and uh, and a little video detailing the the, the model. Um, so 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 there are resources around that, and of course this is not the only way to draw a, a business model. Uh, so, so there are others as well, uh, and and uh, you can you can check uh, with a simple Google search, or uh, also some some other uh, versions of that. And it's important that you find a, a version which works. We we argue for that the alignment is important between the elements, and this is why we why we work with uh, with with ours. And um, Carsten and I also do a a, a little uh, special issue. Carsten, would you like to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, we uh, are currently co-editors on a special issue uh, in uh, industrial marketing management on uh, managing through a crisis. And these are actually articles in um, the the premier uh, journal for uh, business-to-business marketing, where we uh, try to give advice to organizations on how to manage through the crisis in real time. And from an academic point of view, it's actually quite unique uh, because we have uh, shorter articles and it's um, uh, the, the turnaround time is quite fast. Uh, we have a deadline here on May 1st and we expect uh, most of uh, uh, the, the articles to be ready uh, quite fast thereafter. We already have the very first paper online. It's by Henry Chesper, uh, the, the grandfather of... Uh, or the father of uh, the open innovation paradigm, who notes how uh, the open innovation paradigm may actually uh, provide principles for how to manage through the coronavirus uh, crisis and how uh, we can uh, all help each other in, uh, in, uh, in making it through these troubled times. So that's a very uh, timely uh, project that we're currently working on and which will uh, be available soon. 
Fantastic. Those sound like awesome resources. And um, I'll also post the links um, to, to all of these documents that you mentioned on the show notes. Um, but Carsten, Thomas, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure speaking to you. And I really enjoyed the practical examples you gave. And uh, thank you for the good work that you are doing. Uh, thank you very much for having us on the show and for all of you, uh, all the best for, for business development and for strategies and for getting safe and good uh, through this crisis. Yes, thank you very much and stay safe in, uh, in the coming time. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, happy listening.